In the name of the Father and the Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the blessed month of Misra, and Misra is the month before the last of the Coptic year. And in the reading of today, we hear the Lord warning us against division. And if we notice, even the Pauline epistle starts with an instruction to avoid those who cause division. And this is one of the signs of weakness, definitely. And also it's a sign of the approaching end of the world when we find divisions everywhere on multiple levels. On the level of the country and nations, the world in all is in a status of fight. And also we can find this as something that's prevailing, unfortunately, in homes uh, as of today. And while today we heard the instruction warning us against division, we also happen to celebrate on the 21st of every Coptic month the commemoration of our icon of humility, the Saint Mary. And Saint Mary and her humility gives us an answer about how exactly we should avoid division. It is humility, this virtue that we like to talk about and we celebrate it every time we hear about an example but when it comes to how we ourselves conduct ourselves with it, this is something else. So today we'll talk about the icon of humility and how is the path in order for us to reach this kind of virtue by which we gain ourselves, our homes, our churches and our nation as well. Saint Mary as an icon of humility, she was the maidservant of the Lord not only at the time when she received the Annunciation, but all through. If you look and examine her life, what did exactly St. Mary do for herself as a person? What did she try to achieve as a human being for herself? There is nothing that's personal in her life. Everything is related to God and His glory, that the way that's unmatched in the history of mankind. If you look at her and how she gave her will from the beginning, she was given to the temple, given later to Saint Joseph the Carpenter. We find her after this is instructed to go to Egypt, come back from Egypt. She did not choose for herself anything. Even at the time when the Lord was uh, crucified on the cross, he entrusted her to one of his disciples. Of course, this is his choice, but she did not even say anything, nothing. Her will as if did not exist. All the time, she's just accepting what's happening around her. She endured not only difficulty, but also endured the greatest honor ever. If a woman would be blessed that her son becomes a president of a nation or a king, definitely she would be so much proud and brag about this kind of honor she received. But no one ever was given the title, the mother of God. How anyone can endure something like this? And her endurance of this kind of honor is shown and manifest in the way how she was silent. I wonder if St. Mary would write a book, how many people are going to buy this book and read about her memories and her like uh, uh, encounter with his, her son, the creator of all. We find this humility also in her serving attitude. When she heard that St. Elizabeth was pregnant, no one called her to do anything, but she ran to serve. When she, she was invited 
to the wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the people ran out to find. It was not her responsibility in any way to find the solution. But again, she ran to her son asking to help them. As I said, she is an icon of humility. What about us? What is the path in order for us to find in this kind of virtue, comfort, and we find in it answers for many of our struggles? This path of humility is the one trodden by our Savior and his mother and all of the saints that we celebrate and we glorify their memories. It is the road opposite to everything the world is promoting and encouraging people to do. It is exactly the opposite, 180 degrees on the other direction. So what are the milestones on this road to this virtue, virtue of humility, by which we can keep our lives and our homes unified and undivided? The first step is the realization that we all struggle with our ego. The difference between human beings is this. Some, they know about it and others, they do not know about it. But we all have this kind of cancer, the ego. How big is the tumor? How advanced is the stage of this kind of cancer? It is exactly the difference between all, all of us. No one can raise his hand and say, I'm exempt. I don't suffer this, any, this kind of problem whatsoever. This is the first step in this kind of realization that we have something we all have to struggle against. And as I said, the difference between us is some people are aware and some others are not aware about their pride and their struggle with their ego. Many, many manifestations that tell us all that we are all struggling with this kind of sin. What is the most common sin that's so much happening every day in our lives, judging others. We look around and we criticize and we say, oh, this should have been done this way. Judgment by itself is a sign of our struggle with our ego. It's a sign of pride. What is the sacrament that the least practiced and celebrated in the church among the seven of them? You give me the answer. Which one? Confession. Confession in particular. And you can find still people who are believers and they argue against this sacrament. Why this one in particular? Why do not argue against baptism or communion or unction of the sick or confirmation or marriage or, 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 or the priesthood? Because this one has something to do with revealing our weaknesses. And we hate this. And that's why we argue against it. Why I don't confess to God directly? Of course, there are many answers, and I'm not here to talk about confession. But again, it's a sign of this struggle, this ego that wants us to hide our weaknesses away from God's eye so we do not find healing. The difficulty to admit fault. How many people can say truly, I'm sorry, I, they mean it. This is something, again, is, is so rare in the world we live in today. Anger against others. When we are engaged in it, it just tells us something about our pride. We are angry because we are proud. And this is something no one can say, I'm exempt, uh, this does not apply. Failing to forgive. We enjoy forgiveness from God. And the evidence is when we come to this liturgy, knowing that we will be forgiven once we approach the mystery of the body and blood. And we go out from the church and find it so difficult that we let go 
for other people's mistake. The sense of entitlement that I should receive something different is again a sign of pride. Being upset when corrected. Even we say this, we declare it. Tell me whenever I am mistaken, I am not going to hide. But whenever you tell the person you are mistaken, this is something, another story will evolve. Holding high expectations on how others should treat us, how other people should be perfect. Aren't they Christians? They go to church. What about us? We are Christians too. And we go to church as well. And we do mistakes. And we, let, we forgive ourselves easily. Why we cannot apply the same to others. All of this again, this is just to help us to realize how we all have this issue. We all need to struggle against the sin of pride. Being overly critical. Talking about ourselves and our achievements. Seeking titles and posts and preeminence. I wonder when somebody comes in the service and say, Abuna, why don't you promote me? As if the service is a place for, for promotion, as if like we are in a, in a worldly business and then the higher you go on the, on the rack, this is how God is going to see you. Getting angry at God himself, as if God does not know what he's doing. It's another sign of our bride. In my mind, I know more, I know better. And I can take the position of saying, why God is doing this? As if God is mistaken, he's missing, he should take my counsel before he acts on something. Another sign also that shows our struggle with pride, that we all have this kind of a better way in our mind for every entity, how it should function. Everything. This is how the church should function. This is how the country should function. This is how other people should function. At the same, on the same level also, we do allow the job with our own life. It's so sad, but so common. And again, it's one sign that tells us that we all are in this kind of sin together. So the first step on the way for the virtue of humility, number one, is this realization that we have egos and we need to struggle against. The second step is that to avoid to fake humility. The easiest thing to get a quick fix apparent uh, outwardly is to put a mask and faking humility again something that's very sad very common and we tend to believe ourselves when to tell another person i have sinned forgive me i don't mean it in any way i'm just maybe uh, like convincing myself by saying this i did what is right so this is important don't fake humility let us confront ourselves and know that when we pretend to be humble, this does not truly make us humble people. The third step on the path to the virtue, and again, I am telling you these steps because I tell them to myself, not because in any way that I attained or I ended the, the, the road or I acquired this virtue. I'm struggling as you all do. And this is again what I learned from my mother, the church and from the Bible. And this is what I am sharing with you. The acts of mortification, as the church teaches us, coming to confession regularly, fasting, obedience, the virtue that we like people to do it to us, but we find difficulty to, to apply it. How many people, whenever they hear the word submission, feel, ah, oh, there is something here to argue against. 
obedience, becoming a disciple truly in heart, the service with penitence. I am repenting truly. I admit faults and I try. All of these are called by the church the acts of mortification. As I said, the world today is promoting glorification, putting myself above others. Mortification is something that people will frown at and argue against. The fourth step on the path to the virtue of humility is prayers. If I'm not praying, this is another sign of bright. I trust myself. Even if I say anything that's like denying this, of course I need God, forget it. No prayer means that I am not really relying on grace. It is me. The prayer that when we sometimes say while I'm going to sleep, half sleep, just saying our Father, half of it when I'm awake and half I'm asleep, is not truly what meant by prayer. Prayer is a struggle. It's something that we keep doing and we do it in order for us to attain the command to pray without ceasing. The realization of our failure will push us to get on our knees. If I'm not on my knee yet, then I am not realizing how failing I am. The approach of the tax collector, when he came to the church, he stood at the back, not even daring to look up. He knocked on his chest and asked for forgiveness. He came praying, knowing that he has no uh, right to be here. It's again, it's a sign of a person who's struggling truly to acquire God's favor. We sometimes make the prostration, the mitania, even though many people, they find it something that's from the past, we shouldn't do it. But the mitania or the prostration is not for the body. Truly, it is for the spirit inside. When I kneel and I bow, I mean it inwardly. Another step also on the path to acquire the virtue of humility is to think always about my responsibility in any problem. The fathers, the monks, they taught us about the ascetic practice of taking blame on ourselves. I'm not saying every mistake we are 100% responsible, but maybe, maybe at least examining what did I do wrong here. Maybe there is something in me that needs to be corrected. The sixth step is see, seeing that we are also stained with every blemish we accuse others of. We think of people are maybe are not telling the truth, people are proud, people are not honest, people are not as loving. If we go back, do we have all of these? Did we master any of these kind of virtues? If people are not honest, what about ourselves? People are lying, if people are not lo loving, people are not serving. What about me? What am I doing with my life? I can find this something that's very, really, truly uh, consistent. We see other people mistake while we commit them the same. But the problem is, the difference is, I can see others mistake, I do not see it in myself. The last step is to accept God's treatment plan. The only one, the only one who can truly bring us to true humility is God being the true physician. And this kind of surgery to like take out this kind of tumor is very painful and sometimes can endanger a person's life. And so God is working cautiously 
to heal us without killing us. No matter how much we try, unless he himself would be able to humble us, we cannot attain this humility 100%. God's plan might include that he might allow us some kind of injuries, humiliation, and we wonder why he is doing this. It's exactly like when your doctor would like recommend a surgery and it is painful. It will cause you to lose maybe an organ or a limb. We never think of the doctor being cruel or unwise. What he is doing is trying to save life. In the same way also, when God allows us sometimes to go through difficulties and humiliation, this is again for the sake of us to be saved, for our lives to be saved from this cancer, the cancer of the ego. Look here, some of the verses in the Bible that tells us about to be patient with God's plan and treatment plan. In the book of Sirach, the second chapter, we hear this. Accept everything that will happen to you and persevere in your sorrow and have patience in your humiliation. Accepting everything as if it's from his hand, this is something else, another way of thinking. But when you endure some kind of difficulties, you think God allowed it. It's exactly like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. When people were approaching to take him to be crucified, he said, the cup that the Father gave to me. He did not think of Judas' uh, betrayal or people coming against him out of envy. He thought it's from his hand, from the Father's hand. Accept everything that will happen to you and persevere in your sorrow and have patience in your humiliation. Understanding the wisdom behind tribulations, lingering sins even, maybe because of my pride, incidents of humiliation and failure, all of these should be interpreted as maybe God allowed this for me to be humble. In the same chapter, the second chapter of the book of Sirach, we hear this, for, go for gold and silver are tested in fire, yet truly acceptable men are tested in the furnace of humiliation. Accepted men are tested in the furnace of humiliation. If we are to guard ourselves against the sin and the destruction of division, it is the only way for us to uh, again to be humble. And for us to be humble, God is working a plan and it is our role to accept. Let us always put the icon of, humili of humility, St. Mary, before our eyes, so we can learn and walk on the same path that she walked. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.